Harden's going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... He paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contracts. What happens next year with Giannis Tenacupo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to move around. And the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life... And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 Find a home. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Uh, you got a chance to secure the bag. You got to No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos's very own The Bird Reds Podcast. With me today, I have a special guest, Lance Roberson, a credentialed writer for Mavericks, SI, and Def Pen Hoops. Lance, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me today, Stephen. Uh, yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. So Lance is with us because, as I said, he's a writer for Mavericks SI. So basically what I want to do in this segment is I- I'm going to start my offseason breakdowns. I know I have been on a little bit of a hiatus since I had Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report on. But, you know, we're back now that the trade deadline's passed. It's time to start talking about the offseason, start looking ahead. We're going to have some postseason talk as well. So, you know, we'll look forward to the playoffs as well as, you know, the financial aspect of the Mavs this um, summer. So before we get started, listeners, please take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. Follow now. Okay. So the Dallas Mavericks, they're in a situation where typically, I don't say typically, I'm not saying like they're the New York Knicks in the aspect of they always have cap space to have a star and nobody ever wants to go there. But I mean, they they finally have the guy in Luka. So I guess this episode, we're going to try to explore how they could upgrade the roster around them without a... they thought Kristaps Porzingis was that second guy when they acquired him. But, you know, Kristaps' knees have said otherwise. So, quickly, let's just talk about the Mavs financials, and then we're going to get into, you know, the Kristaps trade. Jalen Brunson is – the Mavs have, I think, out of their 15 guys, 13 of them under contract for next year, or 12 of them are. So, they're not really going to be doing much in the free agency market unless, you know, they clear some roster spots. But financially – the luxury tax line for next year is projected at $136.6 million. The Mavs, assuming they let Jalen Brunson walk and assuming that they non-guarantee Maxi Kleber, which I'm not sure they do, they're at $141.9 million, which is right at the tax apron. So we're going to get into Jalen Brunson, but I, I mentioned the tax apron because if you're above the tax apron, you can't do a sign-and-trade to acquire another player. So a trade that I advocated for when we did the mock trade deadline for Sports Ethos was, like, there's a lot of speculation of Jalen Brunson going to the Knicks. Have you heard anything about that? I mean, there's there's definitely speculation uh, up there. Uh, there's a lot of connections with him and his dad. Yes. So that's the main thing that we've been hearing. But other than that, it's just, okay. it's just a bunch of yeah. smoke. So, but sometimes all the smoke, there's fire. So, again, we'll we'll get into that. But I I say that because I I envision, like, a Jalen Brunson for Mitch Robinson sign-and-trade around this trade deadline. And, of course, that didn't come to fruition. Um, Well, not a sign-and-trade because it was under contract. But now that eliminates the possibility for a sign-and-trade because of the fact that, you know, um, they're, as I said, above that tax apron. So before we get into the Jalen Brunson um, talk— Let's talk about the Porzingis trade. So when I wrote up my article for Sports Ethos where I graded each team and their trade deadline, and I graded each trade basically, the Mavs and the Wizards trade was the only one where I said, okay, this is a lose-lose trade for both teams, and you rarely see that in the NBA. And at the time, that's what I thought. But looking at it, the Mavs have are 17-7 and seven since the trade deadline. You could argue they're playing the best basketball of the season now with Spencer Dinwiddie in tow. Um, 
you know, Christoph Porzingis didn't even really play that many games for them to begin the year. So it's not really like they lost much. It's more so they gained Dinwiddie. So I, I'm going to talk a little bit about the boring financial aspects of it. But before we do that, um, what, what do you think just about the Mavericks chemistry and how they've been playing with the addition of Dinwiddie and Bertans and the subtraction of Kristaps? So I think the main part of that trade, you know, Nico Harrison, the Mavs GM, he talked about the aspect of being flexible. And I know that's kind of crazy to say because imagining Davis Bertans' contract as anything as flexible is kind of crazy. Uh, but, I mean, to me, it's more so just getting rid of a player that they have to force into the offense when you know it doesn't work. And, I mean, it, it's, it was kind of hard to judge Dinwiddie the way that the, the Wizards did. I mean, being that he's just coming off an ACL injury, you know, he, he's not even like all the way in it. Now he's back. Um, honestly, I just think it's a chemistry thing. Getting rid of uh, Porzingis was an addition. Um, I really thought the defense was going to suffer, uh, but it, it honestly hasn't. And the anything, defense has been phenomenal. Yeah, if anything, it got better. And, I mean, most people said, well, he didn't even play for most of the season when the defense was stellar. So that's a fair argument. Uh, but I just think having that ball handler, even though the Mavs got it in an area where they didn't think they were going to get it, you know, they thought they were going to get him, uh, get a another ball handler in free agency. They just happened to get him in a throwaway trade, which is crazy to me. So, honestly, I think it's uh, it just improved the chemistry. And then by proxy also got another ball handler that at times is better than Brunson. Let me ask you this, because I, I was trying to find some kind of stat song, and unfortunately, I don't have like an NBA Synergy account or anything like that. How often do the Mavs play that three-point goal lineup of Luka, Brunson, and Dinwiddie? Has that been a frequent occurrence, or have you noticed uh, anything? The kid has rolled it out, and I mean, if back in the day, people that are familiar with the Mavs, uh, Carlisle did a lot of that too with Berea and mm-hmm. Co. and Terry and them. Uh, so they have played that out a lot, even in like closing lineups. Um, they don't necessarily do it to start the game, but like when they're looking to close close games, they do definitely uh, throw that out. I don't really have a percentage on offhand, but yeah, it definitely is high high percentage that they that they roll that lineup out. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that. Obviously, I said we're going to mention Brunson's free agency, so I do have some point guard replacements that they could target in the off season. Um, but you mentioned the flexibility, and you said it's ironic because of how bad Davis Bertans' contract is. Dinwiddie, even though he's playing well. He was definitely a negative contract on the Wizards. Maybe he's a slight neutral at this point. But, you know, in the NBA, you see a lot of times where you break one big bad contract into two smaller bad contracts. The smaller bad mm-hmm. contracts are – the Memphis Grizzlies are king at doing that. Um, so, you know, you trade Kristaps $34 million, You break it up into Dinwiddie's 18 and a half and Bertans 16. And, again, Bertans has a player option 24-25. So you probably have him for three more years after this year. Dinwiddie, you have a year, and then he has a non-guaranteed, depending how his knees hold up in 2023-24. So, yes, you took on the Bataan's money in 24-25 that you wouldn't have had on the books, but in reality, it only adds about $6 million in total salary, and the contracts are easier to move, and Dinwiddie's playing better than Kristaps was for them. So, that's why you mentioned the flexibility. I just wanted to, you know, chime in and say, well, from the front office aspect of it, it may, uh, Bataan's, I think, is the worst contract in the league. But he's half of what Kristaps made, and, you know, you didn't lose much. You still get the stretch big, same idea. He doesn't protect the, the rim as well, but Kristaps, you know, with his knee injuries, he hasn't been great at that either. Um, so what have you noticed changed the most since that trade when, with the addition of Dinwiddie? I mean, I know we touched on the defense, but is there anything else in particular or – I mean, it's, I mean, to be quite frank, I mean, I've, I've covered the Mavs for quite some time, and especially in the Luka era. And for him to, to him to pass the ball on so many clutch situations, I mean, then we had back-to-back game winners. Yes, he did. And then the other thing is, if you, I don't know if you watched this game last year when Luka threw up that insane floater from the three-point line to beat Memphis. Yes, um, I, I remember the highlight, yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I think if Dinwiddie was on that team, I think he would have passed Dinwiddie. I just think, I just don't think Luca necessarily tr- trusted Porzingis to do these things. And because they just try to shoehorn him in the offense all the time. And I just think it, it ended up rubbing him the wrong way. Now that's speculation. I mean, everyone said that, you know, they're good and everything, but that's fine. That's, that's what people do because, you know, it's politics or whatever. But the main part is just the trust 
and having someone else take these shots because most of the time Luca would have just had uh, would have done it himself. Also, Brunson struggles getting into the paint against bigger defenders. I mean, we saw it against the Clippers last year in the playoffs, and I mean against a lot of other you know athletic wing guard type teams. However, Dinwiddie doesn't struggle as much because obviously he's like a bigger guard, longer, you know. And, and that's the main thing I'm seeing now is just the versatility and the trust that Luca has for other players taking shots in, in the clutch situation. So, yeah, and, and you mentioned you know the whole Luca Kristaps dynamic. I, I I know you don't have like any insider information, but just from you're watching every game. Do you personally, I'm a Sixers fan, so I could attest to, I don't believe Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I think they coexisted. I don't believe they ever, like, enjoyed playing with each other. I don't right. know, pers- personality-wise, they're opposites. I mean, Embiid's the goofy, funny, but at the same time, he takes it seriously, while Ben Simmons, you know, I think Ben Simmons was uncoachable his whole time in Philly, where he didn't want to improve his shooting. That's story for another day. And, you know, he's more the diva, I'm better than everybody attitude. So the personality just didn't mesh. So do, do you feel that's a similar thing to Luca and Kristaps? Or? So here's what I'll say. Uh, during uh, the preseason, like training camp, you know, media availability, the main thing that everyone, that a kid, and even Porzingis was harping on, focusing on, was getting him the ball, doing this, doing that, not making him, you know, like what Carlisle didn't just essentially put him in the corner. You know, even in losses, Porzingis would say, well, I thought we did a good job, you know, inserting blah, 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 me into the offense and things of that nature. And and when he says, when he says stuff like that, it kind of was just a red flag because it was like, well, y'all lost. So like, that shouldn't be the first thing you talk about. And and I don't ever want to say Porzingis, Porzingis was selfish, because I think there was a lot of times where he played when he probably shouldn't have played when he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think he is definitely, uh, hey, as long as I get, you know, my buckets and my looks, you know, it's not necessarily a bad day. Uh, so I think that rubs off on a team. And especially when you're trying to take the ball out of someone as offensively stellar as Doncic is. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there there were some issues in that sense. Not that they didn't get along, because it, it looks like they were cool with each other and they respected each other. But I just think shoehorning in uh, Porzingis in the offense definitely rubbed some, some yeah. people the wrong way. Yeah, and again, it just from a human standpoint, it's hard for Porzingis to you know be the second fiddle when pre-injury in New York, he was the guy in Madison Square Garden. So again, just right. a human standpoint of it. So... Hey, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Pop up with Thrive Fantasy on the mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ETHOS when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit, up to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free gameplay tickets. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night, score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ETHOS over Thrive Fantasy. Okay, so again, Jalen Brunson talk and his free agency. Does the acquisition of Dinwiddie, you think, make Jalen Brunson more expendable? Okay, so the talk of the team is they're still looking to re-sign Brunson. Um, I mean, they have the bird right, the bird years on him. Uh, Obviously, he's not a restricted free agent. Well, not obviously, because you would think he is. But he's not a restricted free agency because of a move that Former GM, Mavs GM Donnie Nelson did, uh, where essentially it didn't guarantee, it didn't give them the security of having the the restricted free agency. So technically, they can still give him the most money. But the bad thing is, usually in a rookie contract, you do get the you could uh, match restricted yeah, the match. Yeah. Yep. So that is the that is the terror that the yes, they technically could give the most money, but they don't have the power to match. So in that sense. They can they can offer whatever money they want, but I mean that doesn't mean he's going to stay. But I mean it seems like uh, Luca and Brunson are they get along. They still start the two, even though you know they're essentially the same position. So the talk is that they do definitely want to uh, re-sign him. The problem was the extension that they were allowed to give him, I believe, was was man, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was only like uh, 13 or something a year. Yeah, I think 14 million. Him. I th- I yeah. think it was four for 56. Yeah, so it was obviously it's not what he wants from what I'm hearing. 
you know, he wants up to like 20 a year, which, which is fine. I'm, I don't necessarily know if he should get that, but honestly, what we all know is you get what you, you know, you, you earn what you get or whatever. It's not really necessarily what you deserve in this market. Uh, but yeah, I think the Mavs are end up, are going to end up trying to resign him. I could definitely see a world where he resigns. My thing is, I don't know if he is along for the team. I think they definitely want to resign him. Um, to me, if he was able to be dealt for a better player, I think they would have already done that. It's just with his contract being so low on his rookie deal, they couldn't really it's match such it with a bigger contract. Yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. I, I, my feeling is they're going to resign him, but he probably won't finish the season next year if they do resign. And that's just speculation, of course, but still. <clears throat> yeah, so you literally just hit the nail on the head with the contract. I project him four four seventy six to 80. So that's nineteen twenty million a year. Um, but yeah, it really is. It's not difficult for them to sign him. As you said, they don't have his restricted rights. But luckily, the teams that have cap space are all, you know, rebuilding teams that are guard heavy. Like San Antonio doesn't need him. They already have DeJounte Murray, Devin Vassell. They're going to probably be some Lonnie Walker. Orlando, we know, has Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, RJ Hampton, all those guys. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing guys, but... My my point is the I have four three teams aside from Dallas that I think could go hard after Brunson. That's the Knicks who we talked about in the aspect of he has a bunch of connections there. Now the Knicks don't have the cap space to make it happen, so that's where it gets tricky because the Mavs can't take anybody back in a sign and trade. So the Knicks mm-hmm. would have to clear other money. They're, I think they're right at the tax if I'm not or not, right at the not the tax the what the cap threshold of 112 mm-hmm. million. I have them at about, yeah, 120. So figure if they could get off Kemba Walker and then they get off like uh, Alec Burks or Nolan's Noel, they're already relatively close to Jalen Brunson territory in a three-team sign-and-trade scenario type thing. And, you know, maybe they'll give Dallas a pickback for him. So maybe it won't that they got in the Chris Hospital's trade. So I, I envision something like that happening if he does end up on the Knicks. Um other than that, Detroit, I've heard a lot, has been speculated to wanting Brunson. I, I guess it'd be similar playing next to Cade where he's playing next to Luka as a big playmaker that doesn't necessarily need to play point guard because of their size. But, I mean, they do have Killian Hayes. Corey Joseph, I mean, he's not going to prevent you from signing anybody, but I'm just saying he's another guy there. Um, and then my third one is Memphis. Memphis actually could get pretty close to the cap. Oh, because Memphis, I think, is 13 million cap space. So if they move off like a DeAnthony Melton, which I'm sure they could, then all of a sudden they're in the Jalen Brunson. And, you know, they play him with John Moran. He plays that Tyus Jones role. I think Memphis is a really sneaky spot for Jalen Brunson. So I, I think overall, I think Memphis and the Knicks would be the two biggest threats to the Mavs. Yeah, that, that Memphis one is interesting. Honestly, I haven't heard that one thrown out because, I, with you know, John Morant, you don't, you, can't, you don't think of another point guard being there. But as we said, if you can exist with Luka Doncic as a as another point guard, you can you can pretty much almost exist anywhere. So that's Brunson is definitely very pluggable that way. Yeah, and I, again, I haven't heard any. I've heard Detroit, I've heard the Knicks, but when I was yeah. going through when I was going through last night, I'm like, what about Memphis? And that's a really interesting one. Um, I I have a list of guys that Dallas has a 10.6 million dollar trade to player exception. So I have targets for them for that exception, and they also have the mid-level exception, which I believe is like 10.3 million this mm-hmm. summer, whatever it is. It's close to that, um, roughly 10 mil. So those are really the only two ways Mavs have literally, if they let Kleber go, I think two open roster spots. And I'm sure they could move a Marquise Chris. Um, do you know, is Marquise Chris's contract guaranteed for next year? Honestly, I don't know. I'm uh, actually have a spot track pulled up right now because I haven't really looked at the numbers lately. Yeah, because but. I'm I that's like my thing. Obviously, I'm the front office guy, so I'm very good at knowing that. But I looked and I saw it was guaranteed, and I'm like, I thought it was non-guaranteed, so I don't know because that obviously not only saves them a couple mil, but it opens up their roster. Yeah, spots. I believe it was a two-year guaranteed deal, was it? Yeah, for this year and next year. Now that I think about yeah, it. So, yeah, I think it's two-year guaranteed. Yeah, so figure they let go of Frankie Smokes. He's non-guaranteed. Frankie Smokes, obviously, Frank Nitekina. Um Yes. And then the if they – Kleber, I don't know. He could go either way because he's 
contributes for $9 million, but I kind of repetitive of what Dwight Powell does. So I feel right. like the roster spot might be more valuable than Kleber at $9 yeah. million. And he's on a decline off. I mean, he this guy cannot buy a shot. The thing is, the only reason he really plays is because his defense, and he fits with the defensive system, but, man, he's – he is horrendous right now in open threes. Yeah. So I, I don't know. If, you would think they would bring him back just because Dallas, I don't want to go off rails, but the Mavericks have a tendency to to keep players longer than they probably should, especially in the role player position. I mean, they've pretty much had the same core since, like, Dirk was there in 2016. Yeah. 17. So, yeah. Okay. I, I could see a pass if they would keep him, but that, that's just too steep of a price for him. Yeah, and again – even without Kleber, I have them at $142 million, which is right at the tax threshold. So mm-hmm. if they lease on Brunson, there's no shot they keep Kleber. If Brunson walks in, maybe those are small shots. But anyway, so I have a list of, I don't know, 12 guys each for the traded player exception and the mid-level exception. So for you guys following along at home, I know I'm about to rattle off a bunch of names that you're not going to be able to keep up with. But Lance, you can interrupt me. Um, you can either interrupt me when you hear a guy you like. Or you could just, you know, wait till the end. Let me know if you guys you do like. So for the trade to player exception, for those of you who don't understand how it works, basically you could take in a guy making that exact amount or less, but you can't take in anything else. You can't use it to salary match anything else. So you're just taking in a guy for $10.6 million or less. So here's who I have. Patty Mills, Jetty Osman, Corey Joseph, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, Larry Nance Jr., Alec Burks, Nolan's Noel, and then here's the four guys I like the most that I wanted to talk about, so I saved them till the end. TJ McConnell, Dario Saric, Justin Holiday, and Mel Harkless. Now, is there anybody else aside from those four guys I said we want to talk about that you think, you know, fit what the Mavs are doing? Uh, no, I mean, you got a lot of good names out there. Uh, I definitely say Burks is a possibility. Burks is a possibility because I know Doncic yeah. has has publicly clamored for him, like has, you know, said nice things about him. So that's definitely a possibility. It gives him another scoring option. Nerlens Noel is interesting because obviously he already had a stint in Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a new new era. Uh, he fits perfect. He would be a nice role man uh, for Luca. Uh, and then there was uh, Larry Nance Jr., which I believe the Mavs are interested at him in one. Uh, I could see them going for that, especially if they like Kleber go. But, yeah. Well, that's why I put Dario Saric on this list, because yeah. I think it's virtually a lock that Phoenix trades him, because they just they just, eh, they just got Torrey Craig at the trade deadline. He's under contract another year. And, you know, when Dario went down with his torn AC on the finals last year, he played the small ball five. Torrey Craig took over that role. So now they have them both again. Dario's coming off an injury, so I, I put him on because he fits not only in the trade exception, but I think he's guaranteed to get traded. Um, TJ McConnell, same thing. Pacers started rebuilding. They really weren't planning on that when they had the call aisle. But, I mean, if Jalen Johnson walks, he's a coming – again, I'm a sex fan, so I might be a little biased. TJ was one of the beloved ones of the process where we watched him yeah. go from undrafted into a quality backup point guard. And then, you know, Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, just wings. Sacramento seems to think they could win when they traded Halliburton for Sabonis. So I'm not sure what they're going to think next year. They're the Kings. They're unpredictable. But, yeah, so that's just to give Mavs fans an idea of what they can do with that trade exception. Those are really the names that stuck out to me. There's also a guy like Terrence Ross I like. He doesn't fit in the trade exception. But I don't know. Would he be your little short on big men, Dallas? But are you okay with, like, flipping, like, a Dwight Powell for him? I would imagine probably be more something like a Reggie Bullock rather than Dwight Powell just because of the need for big men. Right. And uh, what is uh, what is Burks doing? Oh, not Burks. Uh, Ross, is he at, like, 14 mil or 15 mil annually? What is he at? Well, he's going to be expiring next year, which yeah. is why he's actually at 11 and a half because his contract oh, wow. was decelerating. He was at 12 and a half this year. Oh, okay. And, yeah. It was. So that's okay, why, gotcha. like – for an expiring deal, that's not a bad contract to have. If you could, yeah. you know, do like a Reggie Bullock. I know he started the year really rough, but you know, right. you get out the final two, the final year of Bullock's deal a year early, tr- get Ross, and you know, give a second round pick with Bullock. That's something I foresee as a realistic possibility for Dallas. No, I mean, 
that's a, that's another player that you can pretty much plug into the system and make it work and then still save some money. But Dwight Powell, I know it sounds irrational, but the way that they kept this, kept Powell to the good and the bad, gave him that contract extension when they probably didn't need to. I think he's just going to end up playing his contract out with Dallas unless it's part of the big package, you know, mm-hmm. something else. But, for salary but mentioned, loved, yeah. Yeah, the front office loves that guy. Uh, even for like non-basketball reasons, he's like one of the biggest like humanitarians on the team. I know that doesn't have to do with basketball, but from a human aspect, uh, they love him. And then honestly, he fits well with uh, with, with Luca. To me, he's a good nearby example, not necessarily like a vocal leader. Uh, so I just don't see any avenue where he's traded unless it's for in a bundle for a significant piece. So, but I could see Bullet getting traded because as as good as he's come on, it's not necessarily like he's untouchable. Yeah. So, okay. Mid-level exception, guys. Now, the mid-level exception, you know, a team gets it every year. Well, it would actually be the taxpayer MLE because they're on the tax. So, taxpayer MLE, I have guys like DeLone Wright, the Caleb and Cody Martin, the Martin twins, Bryn Forbes. Um, the two guys I wanted to talk about were Tyus Jones – who we just talked about with the Grizzlies, and Torian Prince. So, I mean, the Mavs just don't really have, you know, that big-bodied forward that could defend threes mm-hmm. and fours. So that's why I put Prince on here, especially if they let Klebo go. And then right. Tyus Jones, same idea would be Brunson insurance, where you're getting a guy who's not as good as Brunson, but you're getting him for significantly cheaper when you're in a tax crunch. Now, Stephen, I just wanted to add, because maybe – I know he's not as good as it used to be, but I think that enables the Mavs to get him at a cheaper price, maybe even fitting him in this exception. What do you think Let about me guess. the possibility? Victor Oladipo. No. No. I, okay. I kind of gave up on him. Okay. Uh, I, I know that's rough to say, but I think I gave up on him. Uh, I was going to say Robert Covington. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like the purposes. fit. I like the fit a lot. I just don't know if he'll fit in the – I feel like he'd get more money than if they had the full MLE, then absolutely. Maybe, you right. know, ten and a half million dollars, so take that for three years. But I mean, if he wasn't on the Clippers, the thing with the Clippers is Steve Ballmer is the richest owner in all the sports. Like Steve Ballmer's so rich he could own all thirty NBA teams. That's how rich he is. So he we we seen him fill the eight seed right now with Kawhi and Paul George out, and he still made, you know, win now dip deeper right. into the tax for next like yeah. he doesn't care. So I just feel like he's going to do, if they like Covington, the, which it seems like they do, they traded for him, they're going to overpay him for his age and his production at this point. So I do like the fit, though, a 3 and D type, bigger forward, which is why I had Torian Prince. He doesn't really fit the three. What about like a Jordan Nuara from Milwaukee? I mean, that could be like an under-the-radar move. Yeah. With this front office, this front office – I'm going to give them a chance because obviously the Spencer did really trade and up being worked out great. It's just historically the Mavs haven't been well of making moves on the margins. It's either they do something big and blow something up or they miss out on a lot of little things like they did in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems like a good move, but I just don't know if the Mavs would make that type of move because I really think it's like if it's not a big name, and it's really not something they care about. But I want to see how Nico Harrison moves. I want to see if he can, like, tra- trade himself into the draft, first of all, because I-, I think they-, they should do that to get some kind- some more young talent on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I-, I, like- I like that. I like him. I just don't know if the Mavs would, would do something. Yeah. I don't want to say microscopic, but, I mean, essentially that's what it is compared to what they usually do. Yeah. Um, I for what it's worth, I did have Victor Olo, Victor uh, Oladipo on this list. Yeah. But I liked him I mean, I for the Mavs. Yeah. I can see them doing that. I just but I mean, we know we heard the reports of what Houston offered him and but then again Oladipo refuted and said they didn't necessarily offer him that, but that was a number forty in a round. Uh and I'm sure he's ate his humble pie or whatever. I don't know. I mean it would I think it's worth a shot. Obviously, if you can get a, a playmaking, a playmaker, you know, especially if Brunson leaves at a cheaper price, I just, I just don't know if it's going to happen. But I, I like the name. What about? I know. I know I mentioned him with the um, trade to player exception. What about Kemba Walker? 
he's kind of in the same class as Oladipo as a former All-Star. Yeah. Injuries have caught up to him. Age has caught up to him. But, you know, he could handle the ball better than Oladipo could. Well, he could be conceivably that right. third point guard. Man, his defense is just so bad. Yeah. Like, Which is why he fell out of a day, Tibbs rotation. Right. And, like, even – I mean, this this guy this is the same guy that had a triple-double on Christmas and went on, like, a scoring spurt, even though it was a short scoring spurt. But his defense is so bad that maybe, like, three or four seasons ago in Dallas it would make sense. But now I just don't see how he can stay on the floor. Yeah. And and it's sad because, I mean, he's only, what, 32 years old, 31 years yeah. old? Yeah, and he, he was a fun player to watch even – you know, yeah. in 2019, you had Kemba Walker and Blake Griffin both making an All-NBA team. And now, like, right. it shows how quickly your P could, you know, disintegrate. Yeah. So, I, I just don't know. I I want the Mavs to get a second guy next to Luka. And they had the right idea with Kristaps. It was just, it didn't work yeah. out. Right. So, is there is there anybody you can think of that, okay, this would be a Luka Doncic running mate, an ideal one? Honestly, Steven, I don't want to be boring, but I think they're going to have to wait until that Knicks pick conveys with the, yeah. of the Porzingis trade because there's just no real avenues of them getting someone unless, like I said, they re-sign Brunson and they package him for a disgruntled star. Like Other than that, I mean, they're just going to have to, to, to worry about Luka and have him carry the load and just plug in pieces that help out because, I mean, I, it's, I don't want to say it's grim because it's kind of hard to say it's grim when they're fighting for the third seed. But in terms of, like, getting another superstar, because obviously mm. that's what you need to, to win. I mean, Sands, you know, Giannis, but Middleton was playing like a superstar in the playoff run. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't see them getting anyone else. Uh, I think they, for lack of a better term, blew their load on the Porzingis trade, which I don't blame them because, I mean, really, they, they, they got him on the cheap, and and they also got Tim Hardaway Jr. I think that's the that's the player to look out for this offseason, Tim Hardaway Jr., I think he's going to get end up getting traded this offseason. Yeah, and again, he was he might have been last year Dallas's second best player with how inconsistent Pips mm-hmm. was. The good mm-hmm. thing about Hardaway's contract is I just mentioned with Terrence Ross, his contract is decelerating. So you know, nineteen point six next year, then seventeen point nine, then sixteen point one, and twenty four twenty five. So it, it makes teams more inclined to take him on at least. So and the cap's gonna gonna go up. Yeah, I think next year it's 112, then I think it's projected the following year 119. So I'm thinking, like, if a Donovan Mitchell request out, which I think is extremely conceivable this year, I just don't know if Dallas is going to have the best package for him. I mean, I actually tweeted this today, so for those of you who follow me on Twitter and already saw it, I have him going to the Knicks as a projected trade for, like, you know, R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin. Um, I had Kemba in that trade to salary match, but he also had Mike Conley going to the next because if Donovan Mitchell requests out, the Jazz going to be in for a long rebuild because I'm assuming Quinn Snyder's yeah. going to take the Lakers' as first job. Oh, so, oh, Steven, how could I how could I forget? I know it's not necessarily a running mate because offensively you don't think of it of this way, but it's Gobert. Yeah, it's Gobert. that's a good one. It's Gobert. That's the only name that I can think of that everyone else is thinking of that makes sense because, I mean, if Dwight Powell and Luka can be a force – Against against teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, like we just saw recently, imagine what Gobert can be against a real point guard. Because let's be honest, Mitchell is not a real point guard, and Conley is way past his prime. That's the guy. That is the the name. Yeah, that's a good one. And, and there's heavily reports of it existing, and, and I think I think they would do it because I know Gobert's contract gets a little scary because he's a, you know he's earning like north of forty mil, but I mean when you're in a position that the Mavs are when they don't really have a lot of draft picks to dispose of and no other real assets, you got to do it. And that's a realistic landing spot for him because no one's going to want to take on that contract for, what is he, 27 now, 28? A 28-year-old traditional big man, which, yes, he's one of the best defenders. He's the best defender in the league. Draymond Green might Mm -hmm. be mad at me for saying that, but he's the best rim protector in the league, I'll say. But four for 170 is rough up until he's 32 years old. So right. he he's one of those guys where you you don't need those five first round picks plus young stars yeah. that Paul actually, George or Anthony 20, Davis went for. He's actually twenty nine. Yeah, so he's getting yeah, paid so thirty three years. He has a player option in twenty five twenty six for forty seven million just about. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one where like you don't need to give up those four first round picks and all those young guys. You 
sure, we'll give up Johnson and Hardaway and a first. May, that, maybe that's it. If that, I mean, no, the money is so is going to be so bad one day that if Utah decides, okay, let's blow it up, they might take an offer like that. So yeah, yeah th- that's the one. Yep, yeah, you hit it right on the head there. But other than that, Stephen, it's just kind of like, well, let's see what we can do with these exceptions, and hopefully Josh Green keeps improving, you know, stuff like that, yeah. because there's there's not really other any significant moves to make. They. C- is it a thing on Mavs Twitter? Because I see it all the time pop up on Twitter. Mavs fan being pissed off that you basically drafted Josh Green over Sadiq Bay, or is that just a well, thing yeah, I randomly see? That and Desmond Bain. I mean, I remember Desmond Jackson. Bain. Yeah, Desmond Bain played like he went. I believe he went to TCU, so he yes, is he in the Mavericks' backyard. If they somehow didn't pick him, but there's a lot of reasons as to why that happened. Um, but no, that is a thing. But at the same time, it's just like, well, they made their decision. And Josh Green has honestly has been improving uh, defensively. Offensively, he's not as scared to shoot. Uh, last year, you know, Rick Carlisle had him on. Once again, I don't like using this verbiage, but like a better term. He had him on a short leash, so he couldn't really do much. He, I mean, I remember a play last year. Josh Green threw an alley-oop to Willie Cauley-Stein. It was a good alley-oop. Willie Cauley-Stein missed it. And then literally right after that, Josh Green got benched for the rest of the game. So, Kids gave him a lot more leeway in, in trying out things. And, I mean, Green has done well on defense. He's he's finished with traffic. He's finished with acrobatic layups. So, yeah, it, it sucks that they didn't, you know, draft those players. But, I mean, it's the reality. you got to make do with what you have. And, and I can honestly jo- say Josh Green is improving. Um, at this point, he's just going to be a role player, and that's all you can hope for, that he is a, a plus role player, and that's fine. So they just got to uh, hope that he can play some minutes in the playoffs this year. That's what that's yeah. what I'm thinking. If he could play any minutes in the playoffs this year, it's a win for them. Yeah, and wing depth all of a sudden is – it's the new point guard. I mean, if you have wing depth, you're going to mm-hmm. be a successful NBA teams more often than not um, right. in today's NBA. Um, so let's get into Jason Kidd. I know before we started recording, you mentioned – I basically asked you, is Jason, Co- Jason Kidd a good coach, a bad coach? You basically said the jury is still out. So yeah. I, I want to bridge this into playoff talk. So I know you basically said that you want to see Kid do it in the playoffs before you determine what he is. But he has this Mavs team defending their ass off. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was not anticipating that at all. Yeah, so I'll just go out and say it right now. Uh, I'll say I'm a Carlisle enthusiast. I know there were a lot of things that, a lot of people said he did wrong or he acted like an asshole. But at the end of the day, X's, X's and O's wise, he was still one of the better coaches like on a night to night basis. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, the old cliche is sometimes you just need to hear a new voice. And that's clear to me. It's clear as day. That's what the Mavs needed, uh, because obviously most of defense is just effort because it's not really like they, they're not they're not doing any uh, complicated schemes. They don't have any really elite defenders. They're just all doing it in team in the team's mm-hmm. aspect and that most of that is just effort so that yeah, I, I just think they they were tired of carlisle's voice and it's showing with kid uh kids got it got them up and playing i mean at one point they were the the fourth best defense efficiency efficiency wise i think they're like at six now but still they're a like top 10 defense even the 2010 2011 mavs championship team was not this good defensively so yeah uh i think they just need to hear a new voice, and I guess kids' temperament is is easier for them to to roll with. So yeah, it's just when you get into the playoffs, when you're facing the same team night to night, eventually you're gonna get punched in the mouth. I just want to see how kid reacts. Yeah, and the Mavs, you know, they've gone against the Clippers and Ty Lue. It, when it comes to the playoffs, Ty Lue yeah. is just about the best at scheming right. and game planning for yeah. a guy like Luca. So right. when they, when they let Carlisle go, who did you want as coach? Did, did you have a preference? I mean, I there wasn't really honestly there wasn't anybody out like that was a free agent coach wise that I was just like oh the Mavs need to get him. Uh, I just thought it was odd that they landed on Kid for yeah for I mean look let's be honest here the the Mavericks are have been under fire since 2017 for sexual misconduct and, and things of that nature. And then Kid has a, 
a history of domestic abuse, right? Yeah. So that's why I was like, that's a kind of weird thing to do. And then they put Dirk's name on it because they made Dirk the consultant, if you didn't know. So yeah. pretty much his name is on it. His hands are on it. If it went bad, thankfully from on from off court and on court, it hasn't went bad. Uh, I just I just found that odd. I just thought that was a bad PR move. And it's, it's just for a, a fan base that has, you know, a lot of like even they have like women coaches on the team and stuff like that. It's just an odd way to go about it. But I mean, in terms of on court, yes, it's working. It's great. Um, but I really think it was more of a roster thing. I think if they would have moved Chris Stapps, I think the Mavs would have still been as just as good, maybe not defensively. Uh, but I just think getting rid of Chris Stapps was, was the main reason why this team is getting pushed over the edge. You know? Yeah. Okay. What, what, before we move on to um, postseason talk, I just thought it was a little weird. Jamal Mosley and Luca were like boys. Like that, mm-hmm. Luca adored him as a coach. I was kind of surprised. I thought he would have that job locked up for that reason. And now we know, you know, he went to Orlando and he's the head coach there. Right. But I just I thought that was a little odd, given that you know we were on the topic yeah. of the coaching hire. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like I mentioned earlier, or I don't know if I mentioned it here, but maybe in the pre-show. Uh, but the Mavs have a tendency to to go with their guys, right? They like to move within. And yeah, obviously kid coaching-wise is not one of their guys, but he, he played for them. Player. He won yeah. a championship with them. Yeah, so he's he's a familiar. Um and then also there was rumors of of him and Nico Harrison being a package deal, which is again odd. It's an odd thing to do. You know, package deal when with all respect to Nico, but he this is his first He year wasn't being yeah. Champ. He's yeah. Yeah. And then kid doesn't have enough cachet to be like, yeah, it's a package deal. Cause I mean, he's not, he's not a plus coach in the league. Now maybe after this year, he will be right. But beforehand, yeah, I know. Trust me. The Mosley thing was weird. Uh, I heard rumblings of maybe Carlisle and Mosley not getting along well. So mm-hmm. I remember Carlisle kind of putting kid's name out there. Carlisle endorsed kid. Yeah. Yeah. Now to me, I thought that was tongue in cheek, but maybe well, as I look deeper into it, I don't think it was. But at first, I thought it was tongue in cheek, like, yeah, whatever, I'm gone. Like, but because you know, him and Kid and Carl had, I don't want to say their beef, but they had some tension on you know, on the road to the 2010 2011 you know, championship. They got into it not as bad as Rondo and Carl got into it, but you know. They're both strong-minded individuals, so they kind of got into it on the, on the sidelines. But that's neither here nor there. Now, uh, yeah, the Mavs have made some questionable decisions. And, and, and you know, you would think, oh, the superstar wanted this coach. Maybe you should use this coach. It seems like a lot of the players like them. Uh, but, I mean, at the moment, it looks like they made the right decision. I know that sounds yeah. crazy to say, but at the moment, everything's clicking. The only thing that worries me, how do you have Luka Doncic and you're a below average offensive team? That's kind of worries me. Yeah. And that's where I love Steven Silas before he took the Houston job. He had the Mavs, mm-hmm. I think, as the best offense just about in yeah. the NBA. When they had, as like, when they had yeah. Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So it's I a know. very drastically different Mavs team than, you know, what we're used to. So, okay. In the postseason, you're currently, I believe, the four seed, one game out of the three seed. Maybe you could get those. There's only four games left, so yeah. one game is the more Mavs, than the Right. The Mavs, uh, the Mavs remaining schedule is pretty easy. I believe they have Detroit coming up. They have Portland coming up. They have San Antonio. So they have a – I really – I don't want to get ahead of myself, but with the schedule how it is, I really think they're going to end up getting the third seed because they have the tiebreaker over Golden State. And uh, Golden have, State has no staff right now. Yeah, exactly. So. And for them to still be third seed is honestly a testament to to that team and how strong they are. Uh, But I still think the Mavs will end up being a third seed. Um, So so who would you want to play then if you're the three seed? Even if you're the four seed, who's your ideal opponent? Because it looks like it's going to be one of Utah, Denver, or um, Golden State. Yeah. Okay. So I know – I know it's easy to say Denver because they're dealing with injuries and they're still holding on to hopes that Jamal's coming back and maybe um, Michael Porter Jr., but there's, those aren't definites. And even then, they would still be recovering. Uh, but but I just 
don't know if the Mavs really want to face Jokic. I know they beat him more times than, than not this season, but Jokic in the in the playoffs is a different animal. And you yeah. can debate that he's better than Luka. I mean, if you say he's better than Luka right now, I'm not even mad. And usually if you have the best player in the series, you win, you know. Um, so for that, I kind of don't want to play. I don't want the Mavs to play them. The Jazz, yes, in the past they've had a pretty strong team. But with the way the chemistry is right now, I could see them flaming out in the first round and, and then, you know, going to a rebuild. The Warriors, the Mavs have a weird history with them, playing them in the first round, um, you know, back going back to 07. Uh, and, yes, the Mavs have beaten them. I mean, they've blown them out, blown them out, I think, once or twice this year. But the Curry factor, if he's out, obviously, like, because they're saying he's out for the regular season. But, yeah, I mean, that could linger in the playoffs. I know you probably wouldn't want to – you shouldn't say you want to play the Warriors, but to me it's between the Warriors and the Jazz of who they who who they yeah. would probably rather play. But, man, it's just the, the Western Conference is it's just kind of cruel, you know, because you're a third seed. You're thinking you got a, a pretty nice matchup. But, I mean, if the Warriors somehow – I don't even – I think it's – I think it is mathematically possible for them to slip to six. If they somehow slip to six, that, that's pretty cruel. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Jazz would end up being the team that the Mavs should probably want to face. It's It depends on whether they have the tiebreaker against Utah or not, because they're three and a half yeah. up on Utah with three games left. So if they go 0-3 yeah. and Utah went 4-0, then conceivably it might right. be possible depending on tiebreakers. But, right. yeah. Okay. How far do you think the Mavs could get? All right, so here's the thing. This is why they need to get the third seed, because – if they get the third seed, they're not playing the Suns in the second round. Yeah. They play the Suns. I think the Suns are going to win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be like a six game, though. Uh, the Suns historically have just had the Mavs number. Like, even before Chris Paul got there, the Suns were beating the Mavs, you know, mm-hmm. with Luka as the guy. Uh, and, and I got the Suns winning the whole thing this year. So, yeah, Monty Williams is, again, just about the best coach in the NBA. Yeah, he's so. got to win coach of the year this year. I didn't pick him last year, but I think I should have. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a vote, but personally, yeah. I didn't I didn't say he should have won, but he definitely should win this year. I'm on board uh, with but yeah, yeah, but if they get the third, if they get the three seed, I think they'll make it as far as the Western Conference Finals. If they okay. get the four seed, I think they're going to get eliminated in the second round. Okay, that's fair. And then – which is. Still a positive dealing with that they haven't got out of the first round since 2011. So I think they would take that. Yeah, and that's why I, I have a buddy who um, comes on my other podcast, the NBA Goal. And when we were ranking coaches, he's like, I don't think Rick Carlisle is anything special. He hasn't got out on the first round since 2011. So it would be ironic if, you know, Rick Carlisle yeah. hasn't got out of the first round and then Jason Kidd would. Right. That's what happens so, if you play the Clippers two years in a row. Yeah, and again, as I That's said, so cruel. Yeah, Ty Lue is the best, and I, yeah. I know I I know I asked you who you wanted when Rick Carlisle said he was gonna um he was stepping down as the coach and going elsewhere. When Brett, when the Sixers fired Brett Brown, we we could have had Monty Williams. We had Monty Williams on our bench during the Kawhi shots, and then we brought Brett mm-hmm. Brown back one more year, and that year right. was when Monty Williams was. Um, signed by the Suns to be their coach. So that when we did let go of Brett Brown, I was like, okay, cool. The second Doc Rivers came available, I dropped a podcast saying Sixers need to get Doc Rivers. Now I'm thinking yeah. I was a fool. We had Ty because we ha- it was either Ty Lue or D'Antoni at the time mm-hmm. when Doc became available. And now it's like we're going to end up with D'Antoni anyway after Doc gets fired yeah. when we lose. And second- I wanted – I thought D'Antoni and I – Fix, would fix that offense. Um, now, yeah. maybe from like a, a player relationship standpoint, maybe not as strong, but I think he would have done a lot better with that offense. It's just Rivers, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not a good NBA coach, but I don't think he's as great as a lot of people say that he is, especially them voting him an all-time coach. Yeah, top 15 uh, all-time, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But. He doesn't even stagger. He doesn't even know how to stagger his star players. So that's yeah. another thing. He's, no, he that's knows how to <laughs> because he said he was going to do it. When we got Harden, he said two of Embiid, Harden, um, Thib- not Thibel, um, Tobias, and Maxi will be on the court at all times. And then he doesn't do it. 
He keeps rolling out DeAndre Jordan as a backup center. Like, I, I don't know. That That's for another And then B got on to him about it publicly. That yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah, I was a fourth for not wanting Ty Lue. Um, so, yeah, Mavs, that's the season outlook for them. And the offseason, let's see what the postseason brings the offseason. Um, before we go, stop giving your personal information to your ISP on top of overcharging your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com backslash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name of hoopball to get three bonus, bon- three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy. Turning it on just takes one click and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, that's expressvpn.com. Uh, backslash hoopball, grab those three bonus packages now. And I want to quickly, before we sign off, I want to remind you all to use coupon code hoopball20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code hoopball on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. So, Lance, this was a great podcast, the first of many um, off season previews. Um, but, yeah, after that, anticipate I'm having Corbin Ford on. We're going to talk about some coaching hires, firings, hiring who we could expect to take over what jobs. We saw friend of the pod, Jake Fisher, today reported that Frank Vogel's likely gone. The Lakers wants Doc Rivers or Quinn Snyder. I think Tibbs is gone from the Knicks. So maybe Popovich retires. So, But, again, that's going to be in two weeks. So, Lance, anything you want to plug before you go? Anything you want to say to our listeners? Yeah, so uh, firstly, my, my Twitter is uh, Lance underscore 972. I try to keep it simple. Uh, you can find my work at Def Pen. Uh, I'm on the basketball side of things, but it's a multimedia website. Uh, we're currently working on all NBA teams right now. Uh, I did have LeBron in my first team a couple weeks ago. That's probably not going to be the same when I do it again now. Um, other than that, you can find my work at uh, DallasBasketball.com. Okay, and you guys can follow me at Pod, and we will talk to you later. Thanks again for coming on, Lance. A little bit more money this summer. Thank you. Thank you. Got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, man. No question.